With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn, and sitting in for Jim Jones is the voice of the Cleveland Charge, Scott Cirilla. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ. Boy, Zarilla, I guess you did such a great job last week. We're having you two weeks in a row. We're, we're honored. Who am I talking to about uh, compensation? <laughs> because I don't do this for free anymore. <laughs> all right, all right, Dave Dombrowski. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I understand. You. I hear you. Well, a few days ago uh, down in Medina County, there was a golf outing held uh, in memory of our dear friend, Joe Tate. And so we thought today uh, we would look back on a special Cavs HQ program that ran in March shortly after Joe passed away and boy there were some great moments there were some laughs and a few tears during that program that originally aired in March uh, Mike Snyder had a tremendous interview with Gordon Gund uh, I had a chance to talk to Wayne Embry former Cavaliers general manager Scott you were on that show and uh, we thought with the golf outing just a couple of days ago that uh, this morning we'd, we'd take a look back at that tribute show that ran uh, shortly after Joe left us and uh, kind of share those moments. But uh, you and I were talking earlier. Uh, it's been several months, and yet we miss him dearly every day. You know, Tim, I was just talking to Dr. Rick Hofacker, the foot doctor for the Cavaliers, and who's been a long time. He's a ball boy for the Cavaliers yeah. back in the 70s. He and I called each We had to call. We played phone tag, and, and we both did the Joe Tate imitate. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello, Z-Man. Right. And it's just you mentioned about some tears and some laughs, but anytime I think of Joe, I laugh. Right. I'm sad because, as I mentioned to you, we spoke you know about a week or so ago. We had talked about how I have no one to talk to about my old movies. So I miss him dearly with so many things. But first and foremost, when I think of Joe, I laugh and I feel good. Absolutely. And that was one of the things about Joe is uh, he was just this this average Joe. Yeah. You know, he never forgot his roots. He never forgot where he came from. And he would laugh about anything and everything. <laughs> uh, I think he came across as, as a curmudgeon once in a while. But once you got to know him. Oh, that sense of humor was just incredible. You know, it was like I've never met anyone that didn't have anything nice to say about him. Right. I, I don't want to go so far as to say that everyone was his friend, <laughs> but he got along with everyone, and everyone liked him because everyone, he just had this way of making you feel comfortable and smiling. Yeah, and I smile when I think about yeah, him. So yeah. uh, hopefully you folks listening, if you didn't hear this uh when it ran initially in March, uh, you'll have some smiles as well. It's our tribute to Joe Tate, the legendary, the iconic play-by-play voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that comes your way after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back to Cavs HQ. Tim Elcorn along with Jim Jones. And Jim, a third voice now joins us on this very special Cavs HQ program. 
He knew Joe for a long, long time. I would say they worked side by side, but they didn't because Mike Snyder would sit in the chair that I'm sitting in right now while Joe Tate was up in the perch. So they weren't side by side, but my oh my, how they knew each other and were such great friends. Mike Snyder, great to have you with us. Great to be with you, Tim and Jim. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're remembering Joe, and you're right. I think when I think of Joe, it does bring a smile to my face. Tear to my eye this week, but more smiles than not. And yet, uh, Tim, I don't know if I've really sat down and did all the numbers, but certainly well over 1,300 games, probably some playoffs in there, and, and a number of those, you know, side-by-side, side, occasionally on the road in the playoffs, but generally where you're seated, and Joe would come back to me, all right, Michael, are you still there, those late games? And, <laughs> and depending on how the night was going, you know, that would be, uh, well, time for Benny Bye or, hey, the Cavaliers are playing well tonight. Exactly. I, I can just hear Joe saying those things. Believe me, I heard them as a listener for all those years, so... Michael, you try to describe this one on the post game. Yes. So. You know, he just had a way, and, and I know that we've talked about it, and, and I know Jim can appreciate it, the, the way he just had a way of really describing the moment, what was going on in the game or what oh. the team, the mood, the atmosphere. He just was an uncanny at his ability to do that. Well, I'm sure there are many listeners who are wondering, how did Joe Tate end up being the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers and becoming this unbelievable fixture in Northeast Ohio. Well, you may have heard that Joe and Bill Fitch knew each other from their respective college days. Joe at Monmouth and Bill Fitch was at Coe College, and Joe then kind of moved on in his radio career, and Bill Fitch moved on in his coaching career, and lo and behold, Bill Fitch becomes the head coach of this expansion team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And from here, well, I'll let Joe tell the story. Well, I was in Terre Haute, Indiana, station manager, and uh, pretty much uh, given all my local sports over to a fellow who became the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. And uh, I was doing Indiana Pacer pregame. I was the Mike Snyder of the Indiana Pacers, and then uh, doing the University of Indiana football games on Saturday uh, afternoons. And uh, all of a sudden, out of a clear blue sky came the call from uh, Bill Fitch, who said, if you'd like to be the voice of the Cavaliers, I think I can get you the job. Wow. So he hears from Bill Fitch. He's out in Indiana, and with a cassette deck and a little microphone uh, in his bag, he heads off to Cleveland. Now, the Cavaliers had already played seven games on the West Coast, and had gotten smoked in all seven. So they're 0-7, and they are making their Cleveland debut down at the old Cleveland Arena against the then San Diego Rockets. So Joe Tate takes a seat in the stands, and with his cassette recorder and microphone, he now goes for the job of the radio voice of the Cavaliers. Checking the scoring in the first period of play for the San Diego Rockets. The Big E, Elvin Hayes, 14 points. Larry Siegfried had six. Stu Lance came on for 10. Calvin Murphy into the ball game in a relief role, but did not score. John Trapp, a couple of buckets for four. Rudy Tomjanovich got a bucket, as did John Block. And the San Diego Rockets have 38 points at the end of the first 12 minutes of play. 
Cleveland's Cavaliers with 17 over the first 12 minutes. John Warren with 7, Anderson 1, Johnson 4, and Luther Rackley 5. Rockets pick up the tempo after the timeout for the pass in the middle to Tomjanovich. Deflected, picked off by Bobby Smith. Down to Walt Wesley. Left side, 10-footer. Yes. McLemore inbounds on the baseline. Waits for the traffic to move. Flips to Rackley, and Rackley pumps home a 10-footer. Luther has 13. Right side Adams. Fade away 15-footer. Rims no. Hayes jammed it home. 26 points for Alvin. He had 23 of those in the first half. That has the fans buzzing here. A real stufferoo by Alvin. <laughs> oh, my. Hey, Mike, you oh, gotta, that's terrific. you got to love that play-by-play. Oh, a, real, my, a real stufferoo. A stuffer, <laughs> I've never heard that before. This is fascinating. I hired that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a quick story. Of course, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Joe told me he had all of these tapes in his basement, and he was going to get rid of them. I said, oh, no, 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 no. So I, I went over to his house and went down to the basement. He had boxes and shelves of tapes, and I find the tape, audition for Cavs job, and I had goosebumps. I said, wow. Joe, this is your audition tape. Yep. I'm like, okay, so I box them all up, and I head to WEOL, Cavalier Radio Network affiliate, where I was employed, and we start turning them all into digital files. Well, I get to the Cavs audition tape, and it starts in that second quarter. And I'm like, doggone it, Joe, where's the first quarter? How can there not be the very first quarter? So after I got home from work, I called him. I said, Joe, where's the first there never was a first. He literally sat down in the stands with a program and watched the first quarter just so he could get a sense as to who was who, keep score in his program that he wow. bought at the concession stand, and started his audition tape in the second quarter. That's a terrific story. So the, that's where the book began. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yes, the infamous book. Boy, Jim, a lot of those names had to bring back some memories for you. Uh, boy, the Big E with the stufferoo, Elvin Hayes. <laughs> well, just to show you how you know how long it was, Calvin Murphy and Tom Jonovich, uh, they scored two points uh, each in the first half. And the Tom Jonovich and Calvin Murphy, I know, they could blink an eye before they stepped on the floor and scored two points because they were young kids and they had to mature. But one thing I wanted to add uh, to that is that he and Chick Hearns uh, are from the same area, from the same town. And Chick had the ability, just like Joe, the way they use words, the way they connected, and the dialogue was, uh, was simple enough that the common man could understand exactly what they were talking about. And it made us feel the game. By the way, that Joe Tate audition tape, October 28th of 1970. Wow. Oh Boy, it God. sounds great, doesn't it? It the, really does. Yeah, the quality. It was clear. Yeah. Yes. You know, did he, he was like sitting in the stands, Tim, do you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Maletti made him pay for the ticket. If you want the job, you're going to pay That's for the right. ticket. <laughs> Someone's going to go to this game. That's a great that, – that is just – that audio is fantastic. Yeah, so that's the Joe Tate audition wow. tape. And, of course, uh, some lean years to start, but then came this very special season. Forty-five years ago this season, uh, probably what Joe Tate is best known for, the miracle of Richfield. Six seconds to go. Clemens gets the ball. Clem to bingo. Bobby top of the key. 25-footer. Bingo! Bingo on the run. The gun. No. Rebound. Clemens. Clemens got it. 
I knew I'd get emotional a couple times during this show. That's just unbelievable. Jim Jones, you were on the floor. Uh, You were involved with that. Uh, So obviously you're not hearing Joe at that point. But later, what did all those calls and those moments that Joe Tate described mean to you? When I've heard them since then, and I've heard them many a times, especially the last few minutes where Clemens gets the rebound and the Snyder makes the layup and all of that, uh, it's vivid. It really is. It's clear because of his descriptive uh, mentality and the emphasis he put on words. Joe was just a master of that. Tim, you and I both, and Mike, I know you've seen him with those seven to eight inch thick crossword puzzles. And he's licking the tip of his pencil and writing in and stuff. Oh, I used to hate that. And he would sit there and he'd look over at me like, what? You know, and uh, he would just start back because his, uh, his use of language and the power of words, all of that stuff, man, Joe Tate was a master at it. Well, he sure was. One thing, too, Tim and Jim, uh, when I listened to those, uh, that the ma- it was the madness. It was the loudest of the loudest facility I was ever at for an event. And through it all, through all of Joe's excitement, though, you understood exactly what yep. was happening yes. through all of yes, that. Sister. And that's Great incredible. Point. Never got caught up in being just involved in the moment. He still described the yep. play. That's right. All That's right, we right. got right. We got to take a quick time out, and then we're going to hear some words between Mike Snyder and Gordon Gund, a special conversation that the two of them had. So stay with us. It's our special tribute to the one, the only, voice of the Cavaliers, Joe Tate. It's on Cavs HQ on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back to our very special edition of Cavs HQ. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. Mike Snyder has stopped by to pay us a visit as we look back on the unbelievable legacy and life of Joe Tate. So in our opening segment, we told you about Joe's arrival in Cleveland and how he got the job. And of course, uh, his unbelievable calls during the miracle of Richfield. Well, following that time, uh, Ted Stepien took control of the basketball team, and, well, needless to say, the relationship between Ted Stepien and Joe Tate didn't work out well. So <laughs> Joe left for a couple of years, and then Gordon Gund bought the team. And Mike Snyder, I'm going to turn it over to you at this point because uh, Gordon Gund, who, of course, was blind, uh, Joe Tate was his eyes as far as the game on the floor, and you had a very special conversation with Gordon. I did get a chance to talk to Gordon last week, Tim, and uh, Gordon was so more than willing to to come on and talk about Joe Tate, and uh, and we'll go kind of through that as I as I reached Gordon. He had these first thoughts to say about Joe Tate. I thought the world of Joe Tate. It is a sad occasion, but he had such a great life and such a complete career in his and did it his way, which he would always do, and which he had to always admire. And I think the fact that he uh, left this world the way he did was the way he wanted to when it had to happen. So that's the thing to be happy about, too, for him. It wasn't He didn't suffer a lot more than he already had. 
Well, Gordon, as you mentioned, Tim, when he bought the team, Joe was basically kind of an exile after that Stepien era. So I asked Gordon really one of the first things. Think about this. He just bought the team, and one of the first things he did was to bring the radio play-by-play man back to town. Gordon, why was that so important? I always knew him by reputation and thought very highly of him. And when we had the chance to buy it, I never understood why why he was let go because uh, he really – kept the thing alive. And I'm sure people like uh, Homer and Joe would tell it like he saw it. He wasn't going to sugarcoat it. And I respected that and wanted him back right away. I felt he, he would help change the image of the franchise back to something that it had been pre-Ted Seppian. And we were doing all we could to bring back the good days and the ones that people wanted to see more of. And Joe Tate was figured first and foremost in doing that. And then I followed up and I asked Gordon, well, what did Joe Tate's play-by-play mean to you? First of all, it was high quality. It was first rate, and that was what we wanted the team to be and wanted the, the community and our listeners to think of it, our fans, to think of the team in that way. He gave us a, a, a real sense of, of quality, and everybody knew they were hearing it the way it was happening, and they and it wasn't being changed in any way. That was Joe. And plus, he gave, he had so much humor, and he had his descriptions were so great in his ways of, I mean, how many times I heard slam with the right hand, I couldn't count. But I loved it every time I heard it. It made it come alive in even more ways because he could describe the moves and the setups, the way the ball was moving and how the team was reacting or acting all the way along. It was, it was great. You know, Jim Jones, you were, of course, covering the team through that era, the Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Craig Elo, Lenny Wilkins, Wayne Embry time. And and really the importance there, when you think of Joe's job calling the games, the owner, he knew his boss was listening pretty much every (laughs) night, wasn't he? Yeah, he knew that. But Joe was going to be Joe. And, you know, you hear everybody say that. And the first time I heard it was probably from Dave Dombrowski. Uh, something happened and I was a little upset with Joe and he looked at me and said, Jim, now that's Joe and Joe is going to be Joe. And I learned something that day that I learned something about truth in broadcasting and truth in journalism and how people depend on it, as Gordon mentioned. And I've tried to be me, Mm -hmm. which is not Joe Tate, but I've tried to be as honest with our fans as humanly possible but always respectful of the organization. And that is a fine line, Mike. You know that, Tim, you know that, that that is a fine line. But that's one of the things I learned from Joe. But I also understood where Joe came from because I was from a small town, Racine, Wisconsin. There were small towns around us like Burlington and Waterford. So I understood the mentality. You are what you are and uh, no one can change that and no one should ever try to change it and fight drastically to be yourself at all times. And that's the way I took Joe. I watched him around owners. I've watched him around other people of influence, and he stayed the same. And I picked that moniker up, too, and followed it myself. Well, Jim, that's so well put in the honesty. And I actually asked Gordon Gund if he ever cringed sometimes at what Joe <laughs> may have said about the team during the game. Well, occasionally I would, cause I, but I knew he was right. Right. What had me cringing was the fact that what was going on on the court was not a pretty sight and not something we wanted to continue. But, yeah, I, I've been asked, well, did you ever think of telling Joe to say it differently? And I, 
my I just remember saying, well, no, I never did because I knew whatever I said, he was going to do it his way. He was going to tell the truth and tell it the way it was as he saw it. So that's, you know, that was one of the things I respected so much about Joe. And then one of the, the stories that Gordon shared with me, I asked him if they, they'd kept in touch in the years, because really it's been 10 years now from the last time Joe called a Cavaliers game. And, and I asked Gordon if over this time had he kept in touch with Joe, and he said that he would, and he shared this story. I have a grandson who's 21 now, and he's wanted to become a broadcaster, sports broadcaster. You know, I thought, gosh, I'm going to, maybe this could divert Joe or give him something that you get a boot out of doing, and sure enough, I talked to him about my our grandson's Owen's interest in basketball and in sports broadcast. It would really be great if he if he could talk to you. I just have a chance to hear you and uh, and to get a sense of what you think about being a broadcaster. And sure enough, just after I'd hung up, I was going to call Owen and say, "Well, you might hear from him," and he'd already called him. <laughs> And it was great. Wow. It was great. And and it was terrific of him. Quite a story there when you think about that, because actually Gordon, he had spoken with Joe. I think Joe had informed him about going into hospice, and they were talking. They had that conversation. Mr. Gunn shares that with Joe about his grandson. And Joe Tate called <laughs> the grandson wow. Owen before Gordon even got a chance to say you might get a call. I don't think that surprises any of us uh, knowing Joe Tate as we did. But, uh, boy, Gordon just was, uh, you could tell the love and respect that he had for Joe Tate. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, I was at Joe's house in the in the final days, and, and Gordon had placed a call just to see how things were and how the family was. They were incredibly close to one another. What a bond. What a relationship. All right, we got to take a timeout. So much more to come. By the way, Mike, thanks for that segment. Just awesome. Just awesome. It's Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. The Cavaliers and Monsters teamed up with our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka this past season, agreeing to donate $10 for every Cavs and Monsters assist to help feed our community during these difficult times. All of those assists added up to a check to the Cleveland Food Bank in the amount of $18,820. The check was delivered to the food bank by arena host Ahmad Crump and our Spanish radio voice, Rafa Hernandez-Brito. Cavs in the Community, brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cavs HQ, presented by Betway after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Price between the circles, around Hot Rod again to the right wing, fakes the three, shoots the three, new record. Jackson drives into the middle, puts up a shot, blocked by Nance, that's 11. Price swings behind Doherty to the top of the key, drops it to Brand, down the lane, wham with the right hand. Hot Rod steals the ball, down the four, wham with two hands. Back to Wheelow, the three in the air, it's good, he won it. Oh, my, just those wonderful highlights and memories of Joe Tate as we continue to pay tribute to Joe Tate on Cavs HQ tonight. Glad you could join us. And, of course, again, a huge thank you to Mike Snyder for our previous segment, uh, the comments from Gordon Gund, so poignant in regards to 
what Joe Tate meant to him and to the organization. And as we go through our show tonight, kind of in chronological order, uh, we talked about Joe getting the Cavs job and the miracle of Richfield. And then, of course, uh, Gordon Gunn buying the team and bringing Joe Tate back. And, And then you just heard those remarkable highlights of a great era of Cavs basketball. And that team was assembled by none other than former general manager Wayne Embry, who came on board in 1986 to join the Cavaliers, along with Lenny Wilkins, and put together a great team and some unbelievable memories. And it's Wayne Embry who joins us now on Cavs HQ. Wayne, we're honored to have you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to be here. Well, I guess the first question would be a basic question. Uh, Just tell us about your relationship with Joe Tate and what that friendship and that relationship meant to you. We had a great relationship. Of course, Joe is one of the greatest ever being broadcasting, but as great a broadcaster as he was, he's that much of a person. He's a great person. And he and I uh, shared a lot in common. We liked uh, chocolate chip cookies. We'd get on our team plane flying wherever we were going, and I want to make sure we had enough cookies on board. And if there weren't, we'd have to fight over them. And I was a little bigger than Joe. <laughs> Not much, but a little bit bigger. So I always went. This is a great loss to uh, humanity. Joe Tate was just a fine human being. Oh, indeed he was, Wayne. Although, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the program tonight, uh, we've all shed many tears since the news broke on Wednesday, but uh, you can't think of Joe Tate and you can't remember Joe Tate uh, without a few hearty belly laughs. So uh, I can just picture you and Joe fighting over the cookies on the plane and <laughs> and saying, listen, we can't let the players eat them. The players can't have the cookies. we got to eat these, right, Wayne? Yeah, we had to make sure we had plenty on board. <laughs> Well, of course, uh, Joe was known as the voice of the Cavaliers, and he certainly will always have that title. But for you, Wayne, as the general manager, Joe wasn't just the voice on the radio. He really was the voice of the Cavs in the community and in the market. Talk about his influence as far as not only Cavs fans on the radio, but with sponsors and the community and the league. Talk about the influence that Joe had. Well, he had a great influence because people listen to his broadcasts, course they were anxious to meet joe and he was always there when we had the golf outings and right other scavenge events and say a few words introduce some people and do those type of things and just amazing the, the followings he had the people uh i think were more interested in joe and what he had to do as opposed to some of the players and and uh, management and ownership because joe tate was the cavaliers Again, we're talking to former Cavalier General Manager Wayne Embry, so gracious to join us on this edition of Cavs HQ. And Wayne, uh, Joe always told me one of the great lessons that he told me as a play-by-play guy was, Timothy, people don't care your knowledge of basketball. They want to know the score and the time and who has the ball and that sort of thing. They They don't want to know everything about the game. But Joe did know the game, didn't he, Wayne? He was really up on the game of basketball. Yes, he did, and he made every attempt to stay updated on changes and what was going on. You know, we'd come to late meetings, and Joe would want to know what was going on, what changes are going to be made, and he uh, would want to always stay up to date on what was happening. And, uh, you know, he just made the game so exciting. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd go back in the – 
press room and listen to the game on the radio just to hear what Joe was saying and how he called how he called the game and it's just remarkable. Well, it's interesting because Gordon Gund in our last segment talked about the fact that he would cringe once in a while when Joe would get critical or question something as far as the team was concerned, but Joe was a brutally honest broadcaster. Uh, He wanted the listeners to know what exactly was going on on the floor. So I would imagine as much as you may have cringed once in a while, Wayne, uh, you appreciated his honesty. I appreciate his honesty. And uh, if he said something that I would cringe about, we would always discuss it and give him an understanding. That was one great thing about Joe. He would always like to know why and why the wherefores and and that sort of thing, and I'd like to keep him attuned to it because it help him do his job easier, and uh, he's just a great fan as well as being a great broadcaster, and, and uh, he just made the game so interesting. He brought the game to the fans listening. Boy, there's no doubt about that. It's almost like they were right there in the arena. Yep, you're exactly right. Uh, well, Wayne, as we said, uh, we're going to share some laughs tonight. So aside from the uh, chocolate chip cookies, uh, any final story to leave us with as far as uh, Joe and you are concerned, something that you look back on and it brings a, a big grin to your face? Uh, no, I just remember the, how we fight over the cookies. and <laughs> uh, We both had weight issues, and we would compare notes there occasionally. There's a lot of fond memories of Joe, but. He's a true, true professional, and as I said, just great for the human race. He was just terrific, and uh, he's going to be missed. And I was fortunate enough to talk to him last week before he passed, and I hadn't talked to him in a while, and it was just great to just have the conversation. I knew he was in uh, failing health, but it's just great talking to him, and uh, he's going to be missed. Well, Wayne, you don't need me to tell you uh, what your relationship meant to Joe. So, uh, again, for all Cavs fans, uh, we appreciate you and everything you did here in Cleveland and that special special friendship you had with Joe Tate. Well, he was a great man, and it was very much easy to like. He's not only a true professional at his, at his profession, but he's just a great human human being. Yep, you're right about that, Wayne. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you, sir. Wayne Embry, former general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers, joining us on this week's edition of Cavs HQ. When we come back, Chuck Swirsky, the voice of the Chicago Bulls, will join us. But he interned under Joe Tate as a youngster. He's got some stories to tell. So stay with us. We're coming back after this on the First Energy Cavalier Radio Network. I know I didn't go to sleep right away that night. Uh, I had no problem with my eyes open going home. Because it took some serious time to calm down after that game. Mitchell again. Shoot. Good. Cavaliers lead. No timeouts. One lob. Ball knocked away. James over. Cavaliers have won it in four overtime. The Cavaliers defeat the Los Angeles Lakers in four overtime, 154 to 153. Pete, you're either going to sit here and talk to me on the postgame show, or you can go home because your show has just been preempted. (laughs) Joe Tate reminiscing about what he always said was his most memorable and favorite Cavalier broadcast, the four-overtime victory over the defending world champion Los Angeles Lakers 
everybody listening to this show loves that highlight except Jim Jones. Jim, you were on the losing <laughs> side that night in that four-overtime game. <laughs> yeah, I was, and I won't make this long because the memory has been long enough, is that I fouled Mike Mitchell so that I think it took us into the fourth overtime. I'd have to listen back to it or else it won the game, one or the other. But I fouled Mike Mitchell. That was my sixth foul, and I was out of the game. So I did help you, Tim. I did help the Cavs. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And what an unbelievable game it was. And, again, we're honoring and paying tribute to our dear friend and colleague, Joe Tate, tonight on Cavs HQ. And Joe's presence was not only felt here in the Cleveland market where he was beloved, but – Mike, as I mentioned to you the other night, uh, when I was on the road last year, my first year calling games for the Cavs, I was just amazed at how beloved he was across the league. And one of his best friends is the NBA voice of the Chicago Bulls, Chuck Swirsky. Of course, Chuck, uh, before his tenure with the Bulls, had been with the Toronto Raptors as the radio voice. But Chuck, it all started with an internship with Joe Tate. It did. Thank you, by the way, for uh, the invite to uh, talk about Joe and celebrating his life and his world. That clip you played, Stan Albeck was the coach, and uh, he was a former assistant coach under Lenny Wilkins with the Raptors. And so on a charter flight with the Raptors one day, Stan comes over, sits next to me, and we start talking about his career. And it was a tremendous career for Stan whether it was in the ABA with the Denver, the old Denver Rockets or the same San Diego conquistadors, the Kentucky Colonels. <laughs> and then he went to the NBA, served as a Lakers assistant, became the head coach of the Cavs. And we were going over that game. And he said it was an unbelievable game. So thank you for doing that uh, very, very much. So here's the story. I'm a freshman at Ohio University in 1972. I had never heard of Joe Tate, and people are talking about Joe Tate, voice of the Cavaliers. So 1972, Jim, help me out here. That probably was Joe's, what, second or third year doing the NBA, right, with the Cavs? Yes. The 72-73 yep. mm-hmm. season, maybe the third mm-hmm. yep. season. So uh, I happen to be listening. I'm in Athens, Ohio, in my dorm room, and I turn on the radio, and I'm thinking, oh, my word. This guy is really, really good. Ball description, time, score. Time and score there, Tim. (laughs) Yeah, Chuck, I know. (laughs) Tim, I'll tell you what, you will never live that down. I love you. (laughs) So um, so anyway, so I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. We have a number in the sports department, a WOUB for Joe Tate. And so – I am a student, I'm a freshman, and the Cavalier season is underway. I pick up the phone because I'm doing a sports cast. I call him at his home, and I said, <laughs> Mr. Tate, this is Chuck Swirsky from WOUB. And because Joe had taught at Ohio U, he was familiar with the call letters. And I said, would you mind, could you give us a 30-second preview of tonight's Cavaliers game? And I'm expecting him to hang the phone up on me. And he goes, sure, why not? And so uh, he gives me you know, 30 seconds. And I said, oh, by the way, can you give us an out cue for WOUB Sports? This is Joe Tate. 
For WLUB Sports, this is Joe Tate. And so <laughs> we did this like almost every other week. It was unbelievable that he would do this. So we're going to fast forward. I've never met the man, only over the phone. We're going to fast forward to 1974. I'm 19 years old. And I call him up and I said, Joe, you know, I'm thinking of I got to get an internship. How about at 3WE? I could help you out, help Herb score. Steve Albert does afternoon drive. I could help out Pete Franklin. And so he he walks over to the office. He was at uh, 3WE. And he goes into Joe Restifo's office and Tom and Dick Ambrasia. And he convinces them to meet with me. I drive up from Athens, about three, three and a half hour drive. And I'm waiting in the lobby for two and a half hours to meet with Joe Restifo, the program director. Larry Morrow is starting to come in and out of the lobby area. And he sees me. My appointment was for 930. It was 11 o'clock. And so... He goes, uh, do they know you're here? And so I said, I hope so. I think so. Finally, the, I go into the office. Joe Restivo says, Joe Tate speaks very highly of you. You start next week. And that's how it all started. And I met Joe uh, in the first base dugout of Cleveland Stadium prior to a Twins-Indians game. He took me upstairs. I sat in the booth and did whatever they needed to be done regarding ticker tape, fill the machine, change the ink, get scores, make calls, you name it, I did it. That's amazing. And you also did some gutter work at his house. Now, you've shared this story with me. Terrible. You have to Uh, share this story with the listeners. As an intern, you got called on for gutter work. Yes. So so at the time, Joe was living, I think, in Lakewood. Is that right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, that Uh, would have been Lakewood. And and so he, he said, you know what, Chuck? Can you help me? We need to do some things. This was an off day. Uh, can we do some things around the house? I said, sure. He goes, you know, have you ever uh, cleaned gutters? And I lied, actually. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm really good at gutters. <laughs> so he goes, great. So he goes over to the hardware store, and he buys this the, the screens that you put over gutters. Well, I had no idea what I'm doing. And instead of laying the screen gutters, you know, the filters over the top to create almost like a bubble where the leaves would just bounce off the top and fall, I did it the opposite way where it was like uh, a a scoop. And so the leaves would just stay there. And all of a sudden it's the fall and these leaves are coming down on the roof and they're coming into the gutter. And these leaves, all of a sudden, there's a stack a mile high. And the, with, the, with the rain and the snow, it created flooding in the house. And he calls me up. I'm in school. And he calls me, and I'm in my dorm room. And he goes, Chuck, we need to talk. And, and I said, what about Joe? The gutters. <laughs> and I said, what about the gutters? He goes, you've never changed gutters, have you? I said, uh, no. He goes, well, I just had to replace, and then he starts going down the list of things in the house with the water in the walls and the gutters and everything, and it was a mess. But he forgave me. Oh, that's one of the 
You had shared that story with oh, me before. And that's it's a class. great story. That's class. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, my. Well, Chuck, as I said at the outset, uh, we've all shed some tears, but anyone anywhere that's remembering Joe Tate is having a belly laugh at some point because there's just classic stories. And I know you loved him and you had a special relationship with him, and we really appreciate you stopping by. My Thanks, pleasure. Joe. And you're right. You know, the, the last words we spoke, um, I said, Joe, you know how much I love you and how much you mean to me. And he would always close it off by saying, Chuck, I'm proud of you and I love you. And because, as you know, Tim and Jim and Mike, he had Illinois ties deep in his heart and soul. Yep. He was born in Evanston, you know, mm. and, uh, you know, worked in various stations in the state of Illinois and always found a, a, a special place in his heart. But um, he was a remarkable man, and I know I can speak for not only people like myself, but also for Cleveland um, organizations that he worked with. Um, what a what an unbelievable heart and soul he had. Yep. Thank you. Very well said. Thank you, Chuck. We appreciate it. Chuck Swirsky, the voice of the Good Chicago show. Bulls, you, joining us here on Cavs HQ. We'll be back following this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Well, Scott, as we said at the outset of the show, some laughs, some tears, but some great stories. But the one that still sticks with me, <laughs> Joe and Wayne on the plane devouring oh, all the cookies. I mean, it might be the greatest Joe Tate story of them all, and there's a million of them. Yeah, a lot of laughs, some sad time, but uh, great memories is, is A number one with Joe Tate. Absolutely. And again, uh, we thought it would be we thought it would be appropriate to run the tribute show back today because of the golf outing that was a huge success a few days ago at uh, Bunker Hill down in Medina County. So, uh, Scott, again, thanks for joining me this week on Cavs HQ. I only do two in a row. I will not do a third show next week, so don't ask. <laughs> Jim, you're on the clock. You're coming back. Thanks to Marty. Thanks to Leo. Thanks to Kurt. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. We truly hope you enjoyed this week's show, our tribute to Joe Tate. And until we talk again, Tim Elkhorn saying so long, everybody. Bergeau, lob to LeBron, pass down deep to Damon Jones, out to Booby, three ball, got it! 73-67, timeout Detroit. The Detroit Pistons have been booby trapped. Into the fourth court, LeBron fires left sideline, Booby a three, got another one! 86-71, Detroit's taking another timeout. He is going to see Booby Gibson in his nightmare. The Cavaliers are headed for the NBA Finals for the first time in their history. This is Joe Tate. Have a good night, everybody.